0: So I feel like I'm not even going to bury the lead with this. I'm really excited.
1: Oh, dude. We usually try to bury the lead?
0: No, we don't bury the lead. Okay, I didn't think so. I just wanted to just say up front, you guys, you've probably already seen it because we announced it on Instagram yesterday as far as like recording date, but we have a brand new design that we are going to be introducing into our store.
1: Yes, we do. And it is incredible y'all Brittany showed me this artist on instagram a couple weeks ago yeah and loved her stuff it was very beautiful macabre kind yeah, of yeah that's stuff. a good
0: description um
1: and oh my god it was so good so i had high hopes for a living uh for <laughs> what these would be i was literally and... singing this song in my head
0: <laughs> when you said that yeah me too um
1: but i so i had high hopes and when she sent us the original, like, rough draft. Just, just like, like her the, sketch? Oh, I sketched this out Here's in a I'm couple thinking. minutes. Like, you know, what do you think? I was floored.
0: And Same. then when we got
1: the actual one, y'all. I can't stop looking gorgeous. at it. gorgeous.
0: So her name is Vicky Lester. She's a designer in the UK. And her um, shop name is Forensics and Flowers. She's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. She has an Etsy store. I'm obsessed with all of her work and I feel like I'm about to place like a giant order on her Etsy store. She has these uh, yeah. true crime club pins oh. that I need in my life. And so uh, like Tyler was saying, I've followed forensics and flowers on Instagram for a while and I just love her stuff so much. And then learned that she was doing uh commissions. So we reached out to her. Our design is phenomenal. As of now, when you guys are listening to this, you can go online and buy items with this new design in our store.
1: Yes, so it is. And there's li-
0: actually two designs.
1: Yes, it is live on our store. We have, uh, so now we have our original logo, which is still, it's our logo. It's, it's always our, gonna logo. Be our logo, yeah. But we have, these are just a bunch of new options and stuff. T-shirts, dog bandanas, onesies, <laughs> all the things yeah
0: i can't remember what all we put it on but it's beautiful and it's a skeleton holding a wine glass Mm -hmm.
1: and and there's like a graveyard in in the the wine wine,
0: yes and it's covered or it's surrounded by floral and vines and there's also a version that's just the skeleton hand holding the wine glass graveyard um so anyway y'all check it out and let us know what you think um it's posted on all of our social like i said uh, just comment. Let us know what you are are thinking of the new design. I'm obsessed. Oh, me too. So um, speaking of, I have gotten some comments on our stickers. Yes. And I did just want to remind you guys that those are Patreon exclusive. So if you want one, definitely hop on over to our Patreon.
1: Absolutely. All of our... Cabernet Sauvignon Convicts get a a free exclusive blood and wine die cut sticker that is not available on the store. It's not available anywhere else other than Patreon.
0: and. Also,
1: what exclusive means, but you know,
0: last week. So as we always mention, we do murder minis for our Patreon listeners. Well, last week we released a full episode. Yeah. We're still (laughs) calling it a murder mini, but it's definitely a murder. Not not so many.
1: And we went over some huge. Huge cases.
0: Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and tell them? So I covered uh, the murder of Lacey and Connor Peterson. Yes. The
1: Lacey Peterson. And, you know, the
0: story of Scott Peterson and, you know, his conviction. And it's really intense.
1: And I covered the 2017 Las Vegas massacre. Yeah. Which was... Y'all, both of these cases were big,
0: It was a really big episode and like I said, it's for Patreon only. So we'll do things like this randomly for Patreon. Mm -hmm. All these little things that we think of. Anyway... Definitely hop on over, join the Patreon community. Um, you can join for as little as a dollar, but your perks um, increase the higher yes. uh, level you enter in. But anyway, so definitely check it out. That was a yeah. really, really good episode to it, do. It
1: was. It, it was one that we were kind of kicking ourselves at the end of it, being like, damn, this would make a really good just like episode, episode. Yep. But I don't know. I love that it's something that is patreon exclusive i think Mm -hmm. it's fun Mm -hmm.
0: and we did intro a couple of wines during that episode as well for those who are interested in the different wines we did two instead of our normal one and there wasn't really a topic as you can tell there was not really a true connection between those two cases but other
1: than just real fucked up Yeah. But, I mean, that could always... That could be our topic every week.
0: Real fucked up. I know, seriously. Real fucked up, number one. Real fucked up, number two.
1: Also, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe or Spotify. Whatever platform you're listening to this on, make sure to subscribe. It'll be the quickest way for you to get notified and download our episodes as soon as they go live every Tuesday morning, night, night.
0: It's however you want to look at 1201.
1: 1201 as it becomes Tuesday. So, do you have any current news?
0: I do. So, I have a podcast recommendation, which I know I had that last week as well, but I've been doing a lot of driving, therefore a lot of podcast listening. Fair. So, there's a podcast called Gladiator. It's a Wondery Network podcast, and it's made by the Boston Globe Spotlight Division.
1: Oh. I love all of these podcasts that are coming out. And that have already been out, but that are done by the like these big news media and newspapers yeah. and stuff. Because I mean, newspapers, as we're all very aware of, are declining. Absolutely, as is most news media in general. I don't know. I think pod- I think getting into the podcast platform is just so interesting.
0: It is. And well, I think it's a very natural transition for newspapers and news media to move into podcasts. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's another way for them to keep their news alive and still reach out to people.
1: Well, and all of the, I mean, podcasts in general, it it really, it harkens back to the days of the radio shows and radio serials. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just a really interesting that, you know, we progress, but it's something that almost—I don't know—it's almost back. like
0: we're jumping back in time. Well, and podcasting is a really intimate outlet to listen to because if you think about it, you're listening to someone's voice. It's a non-visual medium, and it requires you to use your mind. You know, it's storytelling, which yeah. again goes back to the radio, and you use your imagination. You like when you know our listeners are listening to us. Unfortunately, the things they're imagining aren't very pretty, but. It's a it's storytelling. Yeah, and you just I think it's one of those things that it's good to take a break from mm-hmm. watching TV and always having the visuals created for you and use your imagination.
1: No, that's fair. I'm still stuck on the um, word intimate you used. and I just <laughs> actually what I'm thinking of is there was this old show on I don't know Oxygen. It was when I was like seven. Yeah, and I think it would be a perfect platform as a podcast, and it was Talk Sex with Susan Johansson. I'm an 85-year-old woman oh who's going to play with sex toys. I and remember like... this.
0: Yes. <laughs> I she... remember this.
1: And she I heard... would, like, take calls. And yeah, she would. On, like, honestly, it. I think it actually really would transfer well to a podcast. But I just Perfectly. specifically... Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Yeah. There are a lot of things that I'm like, I remember this and this and this. And I'm like, ah, uh, that's a bit graphic for this podcast, which is ironic. Again, you can go into the, ooh, sex is, we can't talk about that. Let's talk about how this person is bludgeoned to death.
0: I know. Hey. So back to Gladiator. Yes,
1: sorry, that but, was a bit of a tangent. It's okay. Talk sex with Sue Johansson.
0: So Gladiator is a podcast about Aaron Hernandez and He was the New England Patriot player who was convicted of murder and later committed suicide back in 2017. And this podcast goes into... His background and what happened to him, but also it investigates um, CTE, which is Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. And that is, you know, the traumatic head injuries that football players have. And this is something that's been coming up over the years as to... If you think about it, we've discussed multiple times how there were a lot of killers who had traumatic head injuries in the Mm. past. And that it could be attributed to their violent acts. Yeah. Well... The same thought process is going on when we talk about CTE, but also just a lot of the other health issues for football players that they deal with in the NFL.
1: Well, and it's so... It's interesting that it's still, honestly, allowed.
0: Well, the NFL is just now admitting that CTE is a thing. And apparently the science has been... It started back in the 40s.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. And it's been something that they have tried to cover up because... Mm -hmm. They don't want to admit fault or become liable in any way, even though n- they knowingly well, were putting their players right. in danger.
0: But if you think about it, the players are their product. They're protecting their business. I mean, it's a oh, really yeah. crude way to think about it, but that's it's the reality of why there's this controversy of... And and it shouldn't be because these are human lives. Um, yeah. I love football. I mean, we've talked about that multiple times. Yeah. But this podcast really made me think about all all of the things that the players are put through. Yeah. Um and, and I will say, not that CTE was the reason Aaron Hernandez murdered um, the way he did. He he was convicted of one murder and he was actually found not guilty of two more, but there's quite a bit of evidence that shows he was involved in some way yeah. but it was a premeditated murder it was like a friend of a friend and he shot him right outside one of his homes uh there in bristol connecticut but it's that same question of are killers born or made yeah. and you know that's not really something we can answer and it just it tied together a lot of these different thoughts yeah. and that yeah there are a lot of other contributing factors as to maybe why he did what he did, and
1: but the, it's, it's
0: a very, very good podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, the human brain is so fascinating. We still don't
0: know a lot about it.
1: Oh, no. I mean, there are cases where people will be in car accidents and their personality will be forever changed. Yeah. or. You know, there's been cases of people who have a stroke and mm-hmm. wake up with a different accent. Yeah. And it's just the way the human brain does what it does is just fascinating. And it really how, is. How, you know, an impact, especially multiple impacts, mm-hmm. like you would get in football or boxing or, you know, any violent sport like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Well, and so Aaron Hernandez's family made the decision to donate his brain to science, which Mm -hmm. was really great that they did that because his brain has been one of the best ones um, that leads to like the evidence of the people who are studying CTE to show its effect on, on these players. And just as a side note, Aaron Hernandez passed away when he was 27 years old and his brain showed more were just about the same amount of CTE damage as some football players who passed away in their 40s. Yeah. He was very young to have such such traumatic injuries and Anyway, like I said, it is an extremely fascinating investigative uh, podcasting report. The Boston Globe Spotlight did a fantastic job. They're still releasing some updates. I mean, because the Patriots are arguably one of the best football teams in the NFL. Ugh, they just won but, the Super yeah. Bowl a few days ago. For the
1: billionth time in a row. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. So,
0: but anyway, that's, that's my current news. Highly recommended. It's, I think they have about eight episodes now. They're about 45 minutes apiece perfect for the road trip perfect for your morning commute um because i finished it just in a few days nice so anyway do uh do you have any current news coming up
1: i do and it's coming up in um six hours that Uh, is true
0: you are hopping on a plane in six hours yeah
1: so i just got back from new orleans what a week ago yeah something like that and i'm traveling again I. Am, you are. I am heading to Denver tomorrow uh, to see a friend. to um City to work, um, meet some clients, work out of the Denver office for a bit, and it's. I'm excited. I. Yeah. It will be the first time I have seen snow this season. Yeah. Which I am not okay with <laughs> because I love the snow. I miss the snow and. Of course, the past weekend Seattle has been like bombarded with like the worst winter storm they've had in decades.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: Seattle. I think today hit like seven or eight inches of snow.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: In from the one storm, and there's another one that's coming at the end of the week. So this will this will all be last week for you all listening to this. But um, and it it snows in Seattle, but it's two or three times a year.
0: Well, and more at so just in the mountains. Inch.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's always snowing in the mountains, but yeah. even in, in the city, it, it will snow, but it'll be like an inch or a half inch and usually melt the next day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the fact that it's like snow. And
0: you're missing it.
1: And I'm missing it. I'm pissed. Not okay with it. Well, but you're going to get
0: to see some snow and it's going to be beautiful. Denver's one of my favorite cities um, ever. I know. I love it so much. I'm super jealous that you're going. I'm so excited.
1: But... We're going to go... Uh, snowshoeing slash hiking on friday saturday morning i'm going to run a 5k saturday afternoon i'm probably going to throw up from the 5k (laughs) um i've never run a 5k before and the last time i was at the gym was like three weeks ago so this will be fun
0: hey you're gonna have an awesome time and i'll be taking care of All the animals. I
1: know. It's going to be great. It's
0: going to be great. (laughs) The zookeeper. Well, on that, do you want me to go ahead and hop into the topic? Let's do it. Okay. So I picked the topic this week, and I picked a pretty unfortunately common topic, but we'll be talking about spousal homicide. I looked up a little bit of research on the statistics of this, and it's absolutely horrifying. So, as of 2017, in a CDC report, more than half of all female homicide victims were killed in a connection with an intimate partner, like a violent act. Um, That hasn't
1: surprised me, though.
0: And in 10% of those cases, violence shortly before the killing might have provided an opportunity for an intervention. So, meaning there was a history of domestic violence. Yeah. And... You know, the CDC analyzed murders of women in 18 different states from 2003 to 2014. and They found a little over 10,000 deaths. Of those 10,000 deaths, 55% were intimate partner violence related, meaning that they either occurred at the hands of the former or current partner, or it was, you know, an unfortunate family member victim or a friend that was trying to yeah. um, insert themselves into a situation to, to help, and they ended up being killed. And in 93% of the cases, the culprit was a current or former romantic partner.
1: See, and let me just think about in the cases we've done that involve women victims. Yeah. Most of them yeah. are by their partner. So
0: Absolutely. And obviously these numbers are overwhelmingly...
1: It's not in the case of like serial killers usually, but... In like the one off, right, or so cases, it-
0: right. Well, and um, these are overwhelmingly female victims. But yeah. the report does also talk about the whole you know stranger in a dark alley narrative that all the crime dramas are saying that women are oh, just yeah. killed, and they're actually like, no, strangers only were responsible for sixteen percent of all female homicides. Yeah, sixteen, not fifty five.
1: Well, and it's it's the same. I I mean, it's that idea that. You know, it's much easier to believe that a rapist or a murderer is this scary stranger. stranger yep. When it's more than likely well, it's someone Buddy you know. Yeah. And, like, even in all, I'm basically in all violent crimes, mm-hmm. it's so much more likely to be the person you know. The statistic on, like, child abduction, well, which is not related, but it's like, what, 99% or something? Yeah. Close to that uh, being someone they know like strangers by and large don't usually do
0: no and this is why the spouse is always looked at first you know you look at them to rule them out because unfortunately a lot of the times they were the culprit they are the one who did it um and and i will say the vast majority of homicides were carried out by a male partner and we've talked about that before how men kill more than women do yeah and um, in the world, so the stats above were just the United States, but in the world, 38% of all female murders were carried out by a partner. Gosh. So this is something that's not just, I mean, it's higher in the United States, but it's not just in the United yeah. States. But um, it also, you know, these murders span all different races. Um, there are a couple of ethnic groups that do have significantly higher rates, like black women are killed at a rate of 4.4 per 100,000 people and indigenous women at a rate of 4.3 per every 100,000 people. And then every other race um, has a homicide rate between one and two per every 100,000. So, you know, this really is a huge, huge problem.
1: Yeah. Um
0: it's horrible. And Mm -hmm. I could have gone a little bit deeper. I just really didn't want to, because there's, there's a problem of domestic violence in this country and in this world. And what's unfortunate even about these numbers is that it says there was an act at the beginning that could have, you know, if someone spoke up, if something Mm -hmm. happened, it could have prevented the murder. But then some of these victims are those people that were trying to help and they still got stuck in you know, yeah. the, the crosshairs of whatever the situation was. But
1: this is one of those cases that very specifically and clearly crisis centers and women shelters and stuff can save lives. absolutely, And do save lives every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is something that needs to be more focused on.
0: Yes, I 100% agree. Um, so that is the heavy topic that we'll be covering today.
1: Joy. I'm going to go grab the wine.
0: So what wine did you pick for us today?
1: So the wine I chose is a 2016. It is the Saracosa Rosso di Toscana Italian wine.
0: Yeah, it's like a Tuscan one. <laughs> one from yeah. Tuscany.
1: It's a, they, so they call it a Super Tuscan Red is Ooh. the name of it. And what that is is a blend of Sangiovese, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Merlot.
0: Oh, that sounds like a really good combo. Very fruity, but also um, spicy.
1: Yes. So the the Cab gives it a lot of structure, and the Merlot gives it some soft notes of dark fruit. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently a great wine. It's a Tuscan Italian wine, obviously by the name. Yeah. And it. Actually won a gold medal at the 2017 Berliner Wine Trophy, which was the their second vintage in a row to win. And it's just a big, rich, red, bold. Obviously, it goes great with Italian food, so...
0: Yes, pasta! P-
1: pasta, pizza... The rich tomato and acidic, fatty, olive dishes, things like that go really great with this
0: wine. Oh, this would be super good with olive, mm-hmm. yes. I'm imagining from what you're telling me, it would be really good with olives. I know. I never tried wish this we one. We have
1: a bowl of olives right now.
0: Oh, that'd be wonderful.
1: So the aroma is ripe cherry, vanilla, and baking spice. Okay. And then the taste is a very dense, rounded berry fruit with ripe tannins and a long, smooth
0: finish. Nice. I'm really excited to drink this one. It sounds like exactly what my palate's in the mood for right now. Same. Just a nice, bold red.
1: Yeah. Oh, didn't pop, but well, that was your on new, me.
0: Yeah, your new opener doesn't really... Like, it can just take the cork completely out without any type of pop. I think I did that uh, the other night when we were um, drinking some wine. Yeah. What does the cork look like? Does it look cool?
1: I'm still getting it out of the opener. Just Oh, it's um shaped... Weirdly. It's very fat at the bottom.
0: Oh, it was really in there.
1: Yeah. And did not was not difficult to get out though. Uh but it yeah, it just says Saracosa. And then it has some numbers on it, which cool. I assume are international code for something. Crime.
0: All right. Ooh. It yeah. definitely I smelled that Sangiovese in it.
1: Mmm, wine.
0: Pour me some. All right. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Ooh, you can definitely get those dark fruits
0: i know i really got the fruits very quickly um this is perfect
1: yes we might have definitely chilled it a little too long in the fridge but it's a
0: little bit too cold so it's gonna we're gonna have to let it warm up whatever
1: get to room temp Mm -hmm. which in this apartment is basically a thousand degrees so because it's february and even though it's 80 outside. I refused to turn on the air conditioner in February.
0: Yeah. I also just realized I didn't mention my sources for all of my topic.
1: I just figured you made it all up.
0: <laughs> I, I, my sources were NPR and The Atlantic, but again, it all came from the 2017 uh, CDC report. Yeah. Okay. So um, do you want me to go ahead and get into my case? Sure. We also didn't mention that this is episode 40 and I cannot believe Remember when you used to get 40. so
1: mad at me because at the beginning of every episode, I was like, episode 13!
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's yeah. fine. Brittany yelled at me. That's why we don't do it anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just, it was, whatever. Okay, whatever. It's fine. No, so, it. okay, the sources I used for my case were Wikipedia, Biography, the Chicago Tribune, and um, a new source called Patch.
1: Oh, okay, Patch Adams right there.
0: So the case I picked was the case of Drew Peterson. So this one, oh, okay. um
1: We're all right. We you did Lacey Peterson yes in The Murder Mini.
0: No relation, but um it's just as fucked up if not more. Oh joy. So in nineteen seventy two, Drew Peterson graduated from Willowbrook High School in Villa Park, Illinois, and he, you know, ran cross country, just like you know, your average Joe. Yeah. He joined the U.S. Army after he graduated and briefly attended the College of DuPage in 74 before he moved to Falls Church, Virginia to train as a military police officer.
1: Wait a second. Sorry, Falls Church, Virginia. I'm like, hmm, that rings familiar.
0: So, um, well, this the case happens in Illinois. He just happened to train there.
1: Oh, uh, well, something
0: happened to <laughs> uh, He began his 30-year career with the local police force in Bolingbroke, Illinois, which was a suburb of Chicago in 1977. And in 78, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad. In 79, he received a Police Officer of the Year Award from the department. So he seems like... <laughs> he was police officer of the year. Well, good for him. No, what
1: I was just thinking in my head is, I was thinking I was about to say something like, wow, you know, we have a lot of cases that come from, like, the Chicago area, the Houston area, the Los Angeles area. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I'm like, it's because those are the biggest cities in the U.S.
0: Yeah, it's true, <laughs> it's though. where most
1: people live.
0: When I found this one, I was like, oh, God, another Chicago case, or, like, outside of Chicago.
1: Well, uh, just a little preview into mine. Mine's from Outside Houston.
0: Well, there Again. you go. You always pick those. I You're think just,
1: I'm at like five do just, in a you just like go to the
0: Houston Chronicle and just look for their articles?
1: Yeah, no, I don't. But um, <laughs> I just am so scarred from Houston from having to drive through rush hour in it that... It's yeah, all you can think about. Just, yeah.
0: So, um, you know, Peterson seems like he's this really great guy, great police officer, you know, doing good, um, but he did run into some trouble at work. He'd been an undercover narcotics officer for several years when he was investigated for misconduct in 1985. Mm. Um, The Bolingbrook Fire and Police Commission decided that he was guilty of disobedience and failing to report a bribe, among a few other infractions. Yeah. He was fired, but then they reinstated him the following year after appealing his case. So What? There you go.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Throughout his career um, in his lifetime, he was married a total of four times. Okay. His first marriage was to his high school sweetheart, a woman named Carol Brown. His second wife was a woman named Vicki Conley, and they were business owners and owned a bar, like, part-time together. His third wife was an accountant. Scott
1: Peterson also owned a bar with his wife, just saying.
0: That is true. You said they were unrelated. They are totally unrelated. His third wife was an accountant, and her name was Kathleen Savio. And lastly, his fourth wife was a 19-year-old hotel receptionist named Stacy Ann Kales. And at the time they got married, Peterson was 49. Oh, that's... So 30 years her senior.
1: I mean, I always look at age differences. To me, the biggest is, like, maturity difference. Yeah. I, e., I mean, first off, dear God, don't date children. Like, just don't. Don't even even the idea of people that are like, ah oh, can't wait till they're 18 and we can, like, date. That's fucking creepy because that's you saying you would if the law said you could, which yeah. is fucking creepy. And any time you're going to do something like that and the only thing holding you back is the law, you're a fucked up person. But, like, for example, I wouldn't see myself with someone who was 22 and still an undergrad, like, still... yeah. In school, like, figuring things out and, like, yeah, it's only a three-year difference, but that's a big three years. It is. Whereas, flip it to the other side, someone who's 28 mid-career, yeah, I mean, that's sure.
0: Yeah. Well, and And it's, it's interesting because when you get older, the age difference isn't as much of a thing. Yeah. But it really is once you're both in, you know... A, a career in like the mature part of life. Yeah, and, like, so Because someone who's
1: twenty seven marrying someone who's forty-three, not that crazy. I mean it's that, not. And that's but you know nineteen and forties. No.
0: Well nineteen and forty nine. Yeah, almost that's 50. not okay. So Stacy and Peterson were married on October eighteenth, two thousand three, and she subsequently changed her name to Peterson. So she was Stacy Peterson. Together they had two children. Anthony, who was born in two thousand three, and Lacey, who was born in two thousand five, Stacey legally adopted the two children that Peterson had with his third wife, and he, she treated them like um, they were her own.
1: Which that has to be so weird. Having a,
0: I think she was maybe like ten years older than them. I mean, yeah, it was that had to have been strange.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I actually think that's weird. One of my coworkers, her stepmom, is like four years older than her. And she likes her stepmom. She's a nice person. So yeah. It's she's like still weird.
0: It's still weird. I mean, they can be great people, but it's still that's, weird. It's weird. So Stacy was close to completing her nursing degree from Joliet Junior College when she disappeared on Sunday, October twenty eighth, two thousand seven. Oh. Stacy was officially reported missing in the early hours of the next morning, Monday, October twenty ninth, when her sister, Cassandra, failed to hear from her she had been expecting Stacy to come over they were going to go like paint a room or something together Peterson claimed that Stacy called him at 9 p.m. on Sunday to tell him that she had left him for another man
1: Oh, and
0: bye. her family is who reported her missing insisting yeah. that Stacy would have never abandoned her two children like that friends did say though that Stacy had been preparing to leave her husband i mean so,
1: i can imagine they probably had some big differences that I'm they sure. Were, they struggled to work through.
0: No, not to say
1: that every relationship with a big age difference is like doomed or anything. No, but like, no, it's not. Dear God, that has to add a lot of struggle.
0: Well, and also this was his fourth marriage. So,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: clearly there's... There are things that are happening. Yeah. Um, more of which you'll learn about soon. So, authorities and volunteers conducted an extensive search, but they were finding no trace of Stacy. Meanwhile, Peterson quickly became a suspect, and he seemed pretty unconcerned about his wife's disappearance. He joked around with the media. He made flippant remarks about Stacy. talked about how she was going to leave him anyway, so, like, whatever. Um, the, I don't like him. I don't either. And it's just going to get worse. Um, in the Joy. wake of Stacy's disappearance, Vicki Conley, who was Peterson's second wife, told police that during their marriage... Peterson threatened to kill her, you know, said he was going to make it look like an accident.
1: I mean, he was a cop for years, so.
0: Yeah. Um, Conley alleged a history of abuse during their 10-year marriage and her daughter who lived in the household um, until she was 17 agreed. Yeah. Um, she also divorced Peterson after he started dating another woman, Kathleen Savio, which would end up being his third, third wife. wife. Yeah. And his first wife, their marriage ended Because he was being unfaithful as well. So, um...
1: Dude, quit fucking cheating. Jesus.
0: I know. Seriously, just stop doing it. Uh, In the wake of Stacy's disappearance, questions started to come up about Peterson's third wife, Kathleen. Like I said, Kathleen and Peterson's relationship started when Peterson was still married to Conley. Yeah. And this ended up being that that reason for divorce. However, Kathleen and Peterson did have a pretty rocky relationship when they were married. In 2001, Savio found that Peterson had been having a relationship with Stacy, who at the time was 17. Oh, fuck, dude. Um, Kathleen got an order of protection from Peterson in 2002, claiming that he had physically abused her. Oh. And then the two were finally officially divorced in 2003.
1: So he's an abuser, a pedophile...
0: And unfaithful. Yeah,
1: just a piece of shit.
0: Basically. Mm-hmm. So it was reported that between 2002 and 2004, police were called out to the Peterson house 18 different times on domestic disturbance calls, including calls for returning children late after visitation. So some of these were probably because of some actual events happening some of them were he brought the kids home late i mean so it's a varying degree of domestic disputes and with all these
1: calls at this time is he still working for the police force yeah he is he's
0: still he's still working uh peterson and kathleen were set to resolve their outstanding issues regarding their divorce in april 2004. um they still had some finances to work through i mean divorce takes forever it's messy yeah. but kathleen never made it to the hearing she was found dead in her bathtub on march 1st 2004. oh shit! her hair was damp but the bathtub was dry her death was ruled an accidental drowning at the time uh, but many of her family members and friends believed that kathleen had been murdered yeah around the time of Kathleen's death Stacy woke up to find Peterson missing um, she called him on his cell phone he didn't answer he returns home after midnight dressed in black and carrying a bag of women's clothing that don't belong to Stacy so
1: uh I- okay that's suspicious as fuck
0: so after Stacy's disappearance because remember Stacy's missing yeah so after Stacy's disappearance when Peterson was deemed a suspect, Kathleen's body was exhumed and underwent forensic examination in November of 2007. The medical examiner who conducted the examination um, at the request of Kathleen's relatives concluded that she died of drowning following a struggle when her body was placed in the bathtub.
1: So like she was held underwater?
0: Yeah, she was drowned. Um, Postmortem photos showed extensive bruising and scraping to her back, torso, and face as well as a large, inch-long, deep wound on the back of her head, which he determined resulted from a blow hard enough to split her scalp, but not open it down to her skull. So, a pretty deep cut.
1: How was this not caught before? Was the autopsy done by one of his cop buddies?
0: Well, in the original report, this laceration to her head looked like it could have been sustained when she slipped and fell in the bathtub.
1: Hey, that doesn't explain the rest, though.
0: No, it doesn't. And there were, you know, I believe in the first report, her bruising, they were determined to be old bruises. However, in the second report, it was like... No, these bruises happened within 24 hours of her death. So it seems as if there was a big struggle. Yeah. So this second report was released in February 2008, and it declared that her death was a homicide, staged to look like an accident.
1: Which is what he threatened his other wife with.
0: Yep. So a few, I want to, I want to back up a little bit it's like because a lot of this timeline overlaps yeah because you know when peterson is married to stacy is when all of this stuff is still going down with kathleen they're finalizing their divorce um, well the divorce was finalized they're finalizing financials yeah. out of that situation and then kathleen dies this is all while he's married to stacy so it's just like the spider web of shit going on and um, stacy's
1: still missing
0: well, Stacy went missing in 2007.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, sorry. The timeline in this is very convoluted, which is why I want to take a yeah. step back and just talk about the years. So, Kathleen died in 04. They got married in 03. Stacy's missing in 07. Okay. So, several leads were followed in the investigation by the Illinois State Police with FBI involvement. Four different search warrants were issued and carried out on the Peterson property following Stacy's disappearance including the seizure of his firearms and both his and Stacy's vehicles. Yeah. Peterson announced his plans to retire as a Bolingbrook police sergeant effective December 07. So a month after she went missing. Yeah. On November 15th, the Bolingbrook police pension board voted to allow Peterson to collect his pension of about $6,000 per month, stating, you know, that the current law gave them no option. He hadn't been convicted of a crime, so they have to give him his pension. Rick Mims, uh, he was one of Peterson's longtime friends, admitted that he and Peterson bought three blue plastic containers from a cable company where they both worked part-time in '03, and he provided some photos of these containers to the police. Peterson's stepbrother, Thomas Morphy, who had a history of drug and alcohol addiction, attempted suicide two days after allegedly helping Peterson carry a plastic container from Peterson's bowlingbrook home to his suv and he tried to commit suicide because he feared that he may have helped dispose of stacy's body he didn't know it was an assumption he made yeah neighbors reported seeing peterson and another man hauling a 55 gallon barrel large enough to hold a person out of the house shortly after stacy's disappearance and cassandra stacy's sister said she wanted peterson to take a lie detector test about his knowledge of a blue container that she saw in his garage 2 days before stacy disappeared However, Joel Brodsky, who is Peterson's attorney, denied that any container was missing from the home. He's like, "No, it's not missing. Okay. In December 2008, so again, only about a year and a month uh, since Stacey went missing. Yeah. It was confirmed that Peterson was engaged to a 23-year-old named Christina Rains, and she would have been his fifth wife. However... On January 30th, oh nine, it was made public that Raines had moved out of the Peterson house. Her dad had issued an ultimatum to his daughter out of concern with the way Peterson tried to control her and what he feared that Peterson can do because of mm-hmm. everything that was going on and that he was a suspect. Raines moved out of the house, called the engagement, uh, a publicity stunt designed to keep Peterson in the media spotlight. Because again, this was one of the cases, the media was all over it. He was on Larry King. He just, he was doing interviews. He was all over the place. God. However, on May 9th, 2009, Peterson was indicted on two counts of first degree murder in the death of Kathleen Savio.
1: Oh, he's not even cute.
0: Oh, no. He's just like your typical old man with like white hair, a little overweight, like.
1: Oh, he's gross. Oh, God. He looks like your friend's creepy uncle. Not like. Ittyphania, but like No, no, no. I know what you mean. I know
0: what you mean. Um, oh,
1: my God.
0: He was taken into custody and remained behind bars before his trial.
1: Sorry, I'm still just trying to understand. How wh- he like,
0: basically had almost five wives.
1: Like, look at, I just found a picture of him with Kathleen. She's gorgeous.
0: Oh, yeah. Stunning. So now on to the trial. Yes. Much of the case against Peterson relied on information that Kathleen gave to other people. Stacy's statements were also crucial to the prosecution's case. They lacked significant direct evidence against Peterson. Usually, such hearsay evidence is not allowed in court cases, mm-hmm. but the Illinois legislature passed a special law in 2008 to make exceptions in certain cases, and this law was called Drew's Law. Yeah. So it was passed while investigators were looking for Stacy. The legislation permits courts to consider statements from unavailable witnesses provided that prosecutors are able to prove that the witness was killed to prevent his or her testimony and that the hearsay statements are reliable. Even with this new law in place, the Illinois court prohibited the use of eight of the 14 secondhand statements by prosecutors. Prosecutors Mm -hmm. appealed that decision in 2011, but an appellate court upheld the ruling. Yeah. So this back and forth delayed the case for two years. Mm. So this was just a lot of their evidence not being allowed, then them passing a new law. So it was allowed, but not all of it was allowed because again, it was all hearsay statements. So the trial finally gets underway in the summer of 2012 and it's a pretty slow moving trial. Some of the evidence came from a witness the defense called Reverend Neil Shorey, who is a pastor at Stacy's church. Mm-hmm. He reported that Stacy told him in August of 2007, so just a few months before she went missing, that Peterson had killed Kathleen and had made it look like an accident and that she was afraid of her husband. Yeah. She what? had provided Peterson's alibi for his whereabouts on the evening in which Kathleen died. He oh. talked her into. Being his alibi, even though, like I said earlier, he wasn't home. And yeah, he came had come home. home
1: with the bag of not her yeah. clothes.
0: Yeah. Oh. all I know. Um, and on August 22nd, 2012, Jeff Patcher, who is a witness, said Peterson offered him $25,000 to hire someone to kill Kathleen and told him it would be the secret he would take to his grave.
1: Whoa. So, okay.
0: like I said, I'm understanding why the prosecution really wanted to get this evidence in. But it Uh, is all hearsay.
1: That is true. All of it is. But it's
0: pretty profound. That is pretty
1: damning hearsay.
0: It is. On September 6, 2012, Peterson was found guilty of the premeditated murder of Kathleen. And Mm -hmm. jurors admitted that the most compelling evidence was based on the hearsay statements allowed under Drew's law. Yeah. On November 16, 2012... Peterson requests a new trial citing ineffective counsel and mistakes made by his legal team.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: But on February 21st, 2013, the judge denied a retrial and sentenced Peterson to 38 years in prison for the murder of Kathleen. Okay. that's.
1: I mean, that's the rest
0: of his life. It is. And there's more. Just a little bit more. In February 2015, Peterson was charged with trying to put a hit on James Glasgow, who was the lead prosecutor in the murder trial. Oh! And this went to trial in May of 2016. It took the jury only about an hour to find Peterson guilty of solicitation of murder and solicitation of murder for hire. He was sentenced to another 40 years, which was to begin after his 38-year sentence for the murder of Kathleen was served.
1: So he's in prison for... Ever.
0: He's literally in prison for the rest of his life. Um, so. After a number of appeals on the Kathleen verdict, on September 21st, 2017, the Illinois Supreme Court upheld the conviction. hmm The high court, in a unanimous decision, found that the use of hearsay testimony to convict the former um, police officer was proper and did not violate his constitutional right to confront his accusers. Yeah. And his conviction was again upheld in February 2018. Wow. So so,
1: what happened to Stacey? Because all of that was Kathleen.
0: All of that was Kathleen. Um, family members of Stacy stated that they were hoping that Peterson's murder conviction in Kathleen's case would lead to some new development in yeah. Stacey's case, which is still under investigation. At the time of Peterson's conviction and all of this that's been going on in the last few years, Stacy's body is still, it hasn't been found. I mean, she's still considered a missing person there's no body so it's not murder yeah and with with the things that were happening you know when she she had told friends she was gonna leave him it's just there's no evidence showing that she isn't just missing
1: yeah but
0: i mean it very much seems like she's probably dead yeah it's probably at the hands of peterson
1: what it reminds me of something that jackie and gloria said about stephen pearsall in the cold valley cases that you know, yes, they are technically missing, but how realistic a person goes missing and their social security number is never used again, they're never seen anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. they 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 just literally vanish, and yet, you know, them still being out there, the reality of that is just not really there. I mean, obviously, there are cases, you hear about people who yeah. were missing for years, but Usually, it's people that were, you know, kidnapped as children.
0: Yes, and maybe didn't know.
1: Yeah, so don't they were really missing. know who <laughs> they're missing yeah. or
0: don't know that the family they grew up yeah. with is not their family.
1: Well, that and also don't look like they looked ten years ago. You know, mm-hmm. someone who's nine and then twenty nine is very different, and someone versus someone who's twenty nine to forty nine, yeah, this will sell who that person is.
0: Yeah. but God so um drew Peterson was just a pretty awful person yeah um a domestic abuser he was violent with all of his wives he was a cheater um mm-hmm. he just was a not a great guy shit. also obviously he's not getting his pension anymore yeah because he is a convicted uh killer but he you know he's still there in prison and I I really hope some evidence comes about with um, what happened to Stacy. I know her family would love to have some answers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's really sad that Drew was able to affect so many people's lives and killed most likely two of his sp- spouses. Yeah. So that was my case.
1: Damn. Okay. Yeah. God, I also. Hope, I hope they, I mean, I will I hope they find Stacy and alive.
0: I would absolutely love for that to be the case. Yeah. Also, I was so excited at the beginning of this episode to talk about our new design that I realized we never introduced ourselves. Oh
1: yeah. So, um
0: hi you guys, this is Blood and Wine. I'm Brittany.
1: (laughs) I'm Tyler.
0: And this is our halfway point. Yep. Um, yeah. So
1: Usually we try to do that a little bit earlier. We do,
0: we do. But Will you tell me about your case now? Okay. By the way, this is great wine. Yes, I'm very much a fan. Ours has gotten down to room temp and up, so to room good. Temp. Yeah, up to room temp.
1: Um, yeah, and it's definitely like opened up. It's bloomed. It's very vibrant. I'm a big fan of this wine.
0: Me too. Well, let's go ahead and open up the second bottle before you get in your case. Yes. Okay. Well, that one didn't have a.
1: Yeah, this opener pop just doesn't do a pop. No. But so my case is the murder of David Lynn Harris. Okay. So the sources I used, um, one of the best ones was the Texas Monthly. So they ran they a great stories, man. Yeah, they ran a um not a cover piece or a, a centerfold. A
0: Like a front page story? No. One that's like a feature. Feature. There, there we go. That's the
1: one. Centerfold. Um,
0: <laughs> like uh, in Playboy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, They ran a feature titled Suburban Madness that was really good and uh, is also the name of a movie based off of this case. Oh, Um, both
0: of ours have movies. They do. Because mine had the the Lifetime one with uh, with Rob Lowe. Lowe. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So besides Texas Monthly, I used Wikipedia, Murderpedia, CNN, and KPRC News Channel 2 in Houston. All right. So Clara Harris and David Harris met in 1991 when they were both in their early 30s and working at the Castle Dental Center in Houston. They were both dentists. Oh, So David was not only brilliant when it came to teeth, he graduated second in his class, but he had a very charming folksy nature and his favorite word was golly because he was one oh, of those people. Oh my yeah.
0: gosh. Golly yeah. gee.
1: Yeah, he was the he was the dentist that you like eye rolled but then when you grow up you like really appreciate them. Yeah, kind of like our dentist. Yeah. That's I... actually who I am picturing. Yes. Um so they married on Valentine's Day in 1992, less than a year after their first date, and they held their reception at the Nassau Bay Hilton Hotel, which is about 30 miles south of downtown Houston. Okay. Like I mentioned, I did another one that's near Houston. You did. In 1998, she gave birth to healthy twin sons, and she enjoyed just a really good relationship with David's daughter from his uh, previous marriage, Lindsay.
0: Oh, that's right, because they were both like in their 30s is what you said, they were a little bit older.
1: Yeah, so he had a daughter, Lindsay, who was a little older. Um, She was a violinist, and she lived with them in the summers after she, like, she spent her school year with her mom and summers with her dad. And no matter how many patients Clara saw, she always made sure to get home in time to cook a dinner for the family. So they were just very...
0: That sounds really sweet.
1: Typical, happy family. Yeah. Um, and she often told her patients that she had the perfect life.
0: Yeah, that's real creepy. I just said she was really sweet, but then I remembered what we're talking you know, about. Yeah, so... Also, by the way, glad you picked um, a a female killing a husband, just because that's not very common.
1: Well, that's kind of why I wanted to find it, because... I have a
0: feeling you would, which is why I didn't go that angle.
1: Fair. So, all of this, this happy life, everything, all of this changed in July of 2003, when Clara began to suspect that her husband was having an affair with his secretary, Gail Bridges...
0: So, another thing I read um, in that CDC report was that a lot of these spousal murders are based on jealousy.
1: Uh, I mean, I believe it.
0: Yeah. People acting irrationally, people making assumptions, and...
1: Yeah. yeah. So, intent on catching them in the act, Clara hired a private detective to tail the couple around town.
0: Damn, that's like some real suspicion, though, to hire um, a PI.
1: I know. And it... <laughs> I was like, whoa when i was reading this because it i, I feel like that goes it goes from like zero to 60 real quick like yeah. suspecting okay i'm hiring a private investigator to follow him
0: yeah that's that's intense
1: so david and gail began meeting each other at the nassau bay hilton hotel
0: which oh so is where he, he had was his wedding reception. having an affair
1: oh he absolutely was yeah um you know this this it's a gorgeous hotel that all the rooms overlooked the water, and again, it was where he had his fucking wedding reception.
0: Well, that's how we knew how beautiful it was,
1: yeah, so that hotel is where David asked Gail to meet him on july twenty fourth
0: I thought you were going to say "Marry him." no, <laughs> I literally was like, "Are you kidding me? You're already married by the way, sir. No,
1: just meet. So, he used cash to purchase a room under an assumed name, and together they walked into an elevator and headed upstairs. When they came back downstairs about an hour and a half later,
0: Clara and
1: Lindsay were standing in the lobby.
0: She brought their daughter?
1: Yeah, Lindsay was there.
0: Oh, no. So, I don't
1: know if Lindsay happened to... Just to be in the car with Clara when the PI called and was like, "Yo, found him at the hotel." Yeah, or what? But yeah, Lindsay was there.
0: Oh goodness!
1: So well,
0: that's really interesting because you would almost think it would make more sense that the twins were with her and not his daughter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, get Clara and Lindsay were close. Yeah, I mean,
0: well then, okay. Yeah,
1: but still, I don't think Lindsay. Hmm.
0: Knew. No, she did probably had I, no idea like why she yeah. was with Clara and what they were going to discover.
1: So after seeing David and Gail walk out of the elevator together, Clara lunges at Gail screaming, you bitch, he's my husband. Then she slaps Gail, grabs her shirt and tore it off. And she's shouting, this is Dr. David Harris and he's fucking this woman right here. And at the same time, Lindsay is hitting her father with her purse, screaming, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you.
0: And how old is Lindsay again? Uh,
1: I think she's 17.
0: Oh my god, this is a really intense scene in the lobby.
1: Yeah, in the lobby of a Hilton. Yeah. So hotel employees tried to intervene, but Clara kept grabbing at Gail. And at one point, she and Gail were pulling on opposite ends of Gail's shirt. And finally, David put his hand on his wife's head and pushed her to the floor. Yeah. And then uh, with the help of a hotel employee, he escorted, like he and Gail walked out of the lobby doors to her car. Yeah. So David and Gail are walking towards her Lincoln Navigator while Clara and Lindsay are being escorted out of the hotel. Yeah and going to Clara's Mercedes. Clara and Lindsay get in the car. Clara starts the car. She's sitting there, kind of silent. Lindsay probably thinks she's, like, cooling down. And then suddenly, she guns the engine and races towards the side of the parking lot where her husband is standing with Gail. Her Mercedes glances off the Lincoln Navigator and then hits David before he can get out of the way, throwing him over 25 feet across the parking lot.
0: Whoa, she... Hit him.
1: Yeah. Witnesses heard Lindsay screaming. Uh, they saw her try to open the door and stick her feet on the ground. Because she's in the passenger seat of yeah. this Mercedes. Yeah. Um, either attempting to escape or stop the car. like Something. Yeah. Uh, Clara, again, aims her car at her husband's crumpled body, presses down on the accelerator, and the Mercedes bounces twice as the front tires and the back tires roll over him. She then whips the car around, floors the accelerator. Oh
0: my God. Drove over
1: him a second time. And then she does one more 180 and floors it over him a third time.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. This must be a pretty big parking lot if she can do a 180 that many times. I mean,
1: I guess. This is <laughs> I don't like, know.
0: Oh my God. Also, I'm thinking about that so many times. And how has someone from the hotel not intervened? What Before are they can... gonna
1: do? Jump in front of the
0: car? <laughs> okay, fair. They would also be a victim, but
1: so because also in oh
0: when God.
1: Clara hit him, uh, the first time she also hit Gale in the leg. Oh, so Gale's like sitting on the ground by the Lincoln with her leg broken. Yeah. And seeing her boyfriend, lover, whatever, being just run Run over over. by his wife.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So, according to witnesses, Lindsay then gets out of the car, rushes to the driver's side, and punches Clara in the face. Yeah. She then collapsed on the ground and just started sobbing over her dad's body. Yeah. When Clara got out of the car, she looked like she didn't know what to do. Um, And she finally walks over to her husband stares at him and then she also begins to sob so before the police arrived to arrest her um, she cradled him in her arms and begged him to breathe she was heard saying over and over I'm so sorry, David. I'm so sorry. I love you. Yeah.
0: You ran over him three fucking times. Yeah. Like, this is not like a, oh, she ran over him the one time and then it's like, oh shit, oh my god, what did I just do? Not not that that would be okay by any means, but I'm just saying, the fact that she did it three times?
1: Yeah. So, two things I want to add. The reason that... Clara knew to show up at the hotel was, again, the private investigator told her. Yeah. Yo. To go He's there. at the hotel. Private investigator was still there.
0: Oh my God. And
1: they caught everything on camera.
0: Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, because of course. Because they were it's recording
1: th- the whole thing.
0: Wait, the, the private investigator was or just the, the hotel's security? The,
1: the, the private investigator.
0: Oh, I thought you were just talking about the hotel security no, 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 in the parking no, no. lot. The, the private PI investigator
1: was, a- was there in the parking lot. With her okay. camcorder and recorded the entire thing.
0: Well, there's your damning evidence.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my God.
1: So Clara was obviously immediately arrested and charged with first degree murder. Pretty. Uh,
0: yeah, that seems pretty straightforward mm-hmm. and many people saw it. It's on, it's being recorded. She apologized for it. Yep. Yeah. She admitted fault immediately.
1: Uh, yeah. So Clara's trial began the following February in 2004. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay testified against her stepmother, claiming that she told her to stop the vehicle. The prosecution claimed Clara's actions were more than a crime of passion, but that she wanted to hurt David as she was had been heard saying in a police interview. Also introduced at her trial was the videotape of the crime that was recorded by the private investigator that Clara had hired. The video was especially damning, as it showed her circling her Mercedes around the parking lot three times. And although, just due to the positioning of the video, David is not clearly seen in the video, um, it is shown that she parks her car right next to his body. That has her driving around. You can actually see her hitting him yeah. and running over, just because I think there were cars in between where their private investigators parked and stuff. Yeah. But, but still, the defense's attempts to prove that Clara ran over David only once crumbled when the judge ruled their recreation of the crime by a private consultant was inadmissible in court. So the, yeah. the defense is saying, like, yes, yeah, she ran over him, but it was one time, not and three. It was, yeah.
0: Do you know why it was inadmissible?
1: Um, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know if it, just the fact that it was a private consultant firm that did it and not the actual like I, I don't know.
0: Oh, like not the police or, or Yeah. Yeah.
1: So her attorney explained what was in the report though, using the consultant as an expert on the stand. Um, So they were able to tell the story, but just not show them the enactment.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. That makes a little more sense.
1: Yeah. They argued that she could only have run over David once, and that the turning radius on her Mercedes would not have allowed her to sharply turn and run over him a second time. And the prosecution admitted that it was a good argument. Yeah. But they countered it by bringing in a police officer who'd been present at the scene uh, there was and, a
0: cop there too?
1: Yeah. And who pointed out another tire track on the pavement that was shown in a police photograph. And the angle of this tire track went directly to where David's body had been. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. Clara
1: was advised not to take the stand. However,
0: as everyone is, I, I and they decide to go anyway. They always decide. They always to. decide, like, to. decide like, just to go. Don't. Like literally, if your attorney is telling you, "Hey, don't take the stand," and you have this, like, "No, no, I, I have to. I have to let them know how innocent I am."
1: Because it's like You're yeah, not you like it's you're never innocent on when the you're stand. But there is so much more that goes to it, which I'll get into it in a sec than just your word while you're on the stand yeah so after watching days of testimony she decided that she had to speak taking the stand however allowed parts of her original interview which her attorneys had previously gotten inadmissible so the very first police interview she did um, after she was charged with the crime her attorneys got it to be considered inadmissible but when she took the stand it allowed parts of it Uh, To come into question.
0: Oh my gosh. So So not only can they cross-examine her, but now more evidence was entered.
1: Yeah. So only part of the interview was played. And the jury heard Clara state that she wanted to hurt her husband. But they didn't hear the portion later in the interview that she said, you know, I didn't want to kill him. They only heard her
0: confessing to the place
1: she wanted to hurt her husband. Yeah. This caused her attorney to collapse from the stress which caused the court to go into recess as he's taken to the hospital. Yeah, he wound up being fine, but yeah.
0: He had that like, holy shit, everything just flipped and that was too much. Which, by the way, I could never imagine how stressful. I feel like when I'm at work and I feel stressed, that is nothing in comparison to a criminal attorney. Oh, yeah. Like... Holy shit. Whether you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney, that is some fucking stressful stuff. Shit. Probably even, I don't know, a divorce lawyer. That's fucking stressful stuff. Like, yeah. any type of law. Well, you super just have stressful. so
1: much of people's lives in your hands. Yes. Like, ugh. So, Clara contended that she didn't see David when she ran into him with her car. Again, saying that, like, sure, she hit him once. Didn't
0: yeah. see him. Yeah,
1: um, And despite the medical examiner's report, the defense was unable to prove that she didn't run over him multiple times. So the defense is trying to say, like, well, it's just one time, and they're not, they weren't able to prove that it wasn't more than once. Yeah. So at her trial, she testified that she didn't mean to kill her husband, and she was only trying to wreck Gail's SUV. She was only trying to floor it into the Lincoln. She didn't see him. He was hit. Um,
0: Which... Honestly, if she hadn't have gone back and run him over multiple times, they probably could have made an argument about this. I mean, not necessarily because of physics and trajectory Mm -hmm. and everything, but she would have had a little bit more of a chance.
1: A little bit. So, in the heat of the moment...
0: Not that I'm saying, like, defense should get someone off who's clearly guilty. I'm just making a point.
1: Yeah. So, in the heat of the moment, she went on to say that she didn't even know she had run over David. This
0: is while she's on the stand? Yeah. So, prosecutors
1: went after her, saying that she knew exactly what she was doing in that Hilton parking lot. And their most devastating witness was David Harris's teenage daughter, Lindsay.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was in the car.
1: Lindsay testified that a week earlier, her stepmom had told her, with all he's done to me, I could kill him and get away with it. That's just how I imagine her voice sounds. Um, you just
0: can't say shit like that to anyone.
1: I know. Um, And on the night of the killing, she said that Clara stepped on the accelerator and went straight for him. And that she said "Most for the impact, I'm going to hit him.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I feel I'm hurting for Lindsay. Oh, my God. Because she,
1: in the course of like five minutes, goes from, I mean, I'm sure she's saying the last thing she said to her dad is, I hate you, I hate you, hitting him with her purse and because yeah she just found out he's cheating on her stepmom that she loves and she's like what the fuck how could you do this to clara yeah and clara fucking running him over she has to punch her stepmom in the face to get her to stop like what the actual fuck she's 17 years old oh god so on february 13th of 2003 Jurors found Clara guilty of murder for repeatedly running over her husband with her car. Yeah. Jurors found that she acted with sudden passion, which, like, that is a, I guess, classification of this, is sudden passion killing. Sudden passion, okay. Um, And the punishment for that can be as low as probation. Oh. But instead, the jury said that she should be fined and sentenced to the maximum amount of prison allowed under the sentencing guidelines for sudden passion killing.
0: Which is?
1: Well, on February 14th of 2003, which... Was her
0: anniversary. Yeah.
1: It would have been their 11-year anniversary. Yeah. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison, which was the maximum sentence for a sudden passion finding. Yeah. And fined $10,000. She was incarcerated at the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas where she like her prison job job yeah prison, you have jobs um was converting school textbooks to braille for blind students which is a very specific job that i just never thought about that never thought about and would not have been like that's one of the jobs they have in prisons but it, i know because um, the one you
0: hear about is license plates it, yeah like that is literally for some reason the example of a I job you have in prison
1: which is weird i I just don't understand why they wouldn't do jobs that you can like gain skill for like when you are released, like a call center or some I don't know,
0: because someone has to do those jobs, and they you know I it's know, like but we'll make the prisoners do it. I
1: know, I just think that prisoners should at least no no. the ones sh- that are in there for life, like you know you're in there for life, but the ones that are in there for no a they couple should have years, some like, type
0: of rehabilitating like yeah. um something to learn a skill. <laughs>
1: And I, so I remember watching, I think it was a um, segment on the John Oliver show about prisoners returning to the workforce. And he was talking with someone who was a former inmate. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just about all of the hardships and all the shit you have to go through after you've done your time for your crime. I, th- I think the guy I was talking to you had been arrested for like a drug possession. Yeah. Uh, Like felony drug possession. He had done his time and was out, but, you know, he encountered things. How do you, how do you get a job when not only you have to say yes, I'm a felon, but you also have a five year gap Yeah, you can't explain it. So he was saying, you uh, do things like, well, I did work in the prison. And so, but, you know, they asked for prior employer. I put the state of Missouri and I'm like, uh, actually, yeah. yeah
0: that's that that is something i've never thought of but Mm -hmm. you do work for pennies on the dollar but you do work
1: well in all of these things so many uh probation terms you have to have a job well you have no resources to get a job when you get out of jail so many jobs the second you hit felon are gonna say nope regardless of i know you know who you are especially if you're a person of color Like,
0: right. Well, and this makes me think of. I told you about this bread company, David's Bread. Yeah, David's Killer Killer Bread. Bread. David's Killer Bread. And they. It's expensive
1: bread, but it's good.
0: Yes. Oh, gosh. I was looking at the flavors and it looks phenomenal. But the company hires previous convicts Mm -hmm. to work, which is why it's called David's Killer Bread. Yeah. And I love that model because it is an opportunity and I there yeah. and I do wish there were more companies that mm-hmm. had that same thought process and and I'm not saying every company has to allow convicts to work but, it, it but if there were more companies that were offering that opportunity yeah. like if it'd someone be great.
1: if someone got arrested or was arrested for fraud and money laundering and all that yeah you know you might not want to hire them to an accounting firm i get it
0: yes but absolutely it that'd be a red flag
1: you know but just because someone has lots of people go to jail and lots of people go to jail for stupid shit like oh i had a bag of weed in my pocket i know
0: like marijuana possession that's and what i was just gonna say like and you, that can run and it's like come on mm-hmm. person who's wanting to hire me how many times have you smoked weed in the last two weeks yeah for real and, and that's where it drives me crazy because yeah. i'm like Especially now in 2019, more people, like, like everyone smokes weed. I'm like, it's
1: literally weed. Like, you are fine.
0: Stop judging people for doing things that you're doing.
1: Yeah. Well, and so much of the people who have a felony record are people who don't have the privilege and the resources for that to not be a felony. We've talked previously money. about people money. that, you know, you can have two people that get a DUI and if someone has the money or
0: it goes away is
1: you know white and has the privilege the judge might be like oh, okay well we'll get off your record you'll do community service or whatever yep. we did a really really great activity at work over privilege today mm-hmm. um where the whole team lined up in like shoulder-to-shoulder single file line and the facilitator would ask questions that related to privilege yeah so those questions like if you grew up in a single family household take a step back or if you were always expected to go to college take a step forward so basically for each privilege you have demonstrated yeah you take a step forward for each one that you lack you take a step back yeah. So, which was, was really interesting because there were things that, I mean, I think about, like, you know, one of them was, I can be sure that my race, religion, size, sexual orientation will not be a factor when getting a job or a promotion or buying. And I was like, no, I have to take a step back for that one. Yeah. Because that is something that has always been at the back of my head, is that at any moment... If my company wanted to, they could very much be like, we're firing you because you're gay. There's no legal repercussion. I know. I think in Austin there actually is. But in the state of Texas and in the U.S. as a whole... There's not. There's not.
0: Well, and in that exact example that you gave, I would also have to take a step back because I'm a woman. Yeah. Which, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And it, it was one that it was very thought provoking and because privilege is something that unfortunately the people who think about it most are the people who lack it most usually because it's yeah. a thing because you you
0: if you have privilege you don't have to think about it yeah
1: if you were always expected to go to college and went to college you never, but think about that as, like, an achievement. You think about it as, like, uh, yeah, yeah expectation. that's what I did. If you were never expected to go to college and you did, that's huge. One yeah. of the questions I really liked was if you were told from a young age that you can, like, be whoever you want to be or do whatever you want to do, take a step forward, quite a few people took a step back. And I'm like, that... I mean, we always grew yeah. up being told, like, oh, you can do whatever you want. And one of my teammates gave perspective on it just saying like growing up i was told i had to you know you you can't be an artist that doesn't make money you know your your first priority needs to be taking care of your family so just stuff like that and i'm like that is something that has never come across my mind i mean obviously i think about yeah i want to do things to get into that, that pay more, that would make my life financially easier. Yeah. But it's never something that mom or daddy drove into us growing up.
0: No, I agree.
1: I mean, shit, you got an art history major in college. I was a sociology major.
0: <laughs> we were literally like, hey, we're not doing things to make money, clearly. Yeah.
1: But I don't know. It was a. It was just a really great activity. And it was surprising I because like that y'all did that. going in when she was explaining what the activity was, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm going to be in the very front yeah, or up there because I'm a cisgendered white man in my early 20s, you know. And yes, I'm gay, but that's one thing. You yeah. know, there are so many people who have such more obvious privilege. But, yeah. you know, when we were done with the activity, I was in like the middle kind of towards the back because privilege isn't always something you see. Yeah. It's not just... Racial privilege and gender privilege its you know, mental health, your economic stability growing up, having a like a two parent household, th- yep. things like that, that I mean, yeah, that that is something I have to think about. And, you know, the, the example that one of the men on the team throughout he was like you know again i never have to worry about walking the street at night
0: right right which like we a, have talked, which we've about talked about
1: multiple time times and, and time again every single woman was like yeah we do we yeah. all do yeah just things like that and i'm like hmm. i think it was a really great activity no i love that you um, did that it that was is amazing it was quite a few people on my team have done it previously i've literally oh, never heard of this no before. i haven't I either really liked it because i think it's also a very realistic way because unfortunately Privilege and talking about privilege is controversial thing. There are a lot of people that are it like, is. male privilege doesn't exist, white privilege doesn't exist. Like, all and I think an activity like this can I really don't put. Understand it...
0: Understand people who say that, but okay. oh,
1: me neither. It's but I think an activity like that can really put it in perspective of like, this is what that means. Yeah, because no, I think that's a lot a of people to show it. see it as like, well, white privilege doesn't exist because I'm white and I've struggled. So obviously, it, and I'm like, that's not. What it is, it's just the fact that you've never struggled because you're white.
0: Yes, yes. It's not saying you haven't struggled because lots of people on every level struggle.
1: Yeah, there are going to be people of every race, background, religion, orientation, makeup, whatever, that struggle more than you and struggle less than you. Yeah. But the privileges you have are that you don't struggle because of that specific thing. Right. You know, but uh, so that was... Very long tangent, but anyway, I think it was a really good activity, and it was very... I like doing stuff like that that is also eye-opening and gives you the opportunity to be vulnerable.
0: Vulnerability is something that more of us should do at work. Yeah. And just as simple as saying, I don't know the answer, let Mm -hmm. me touch base with my team and I'll get back to you, is for some people a super vulnerable statement to make that they're unwilling to do. Yeah. And and that just creates a load of problems. But that I say that because that's one thing that I adopted a few years ago where I was like, you know what? You have to pick when you're supposed to pretend to know something and when mm-hmm. you're not. And when you know, like, this is an important question. I have no fucking clue what the answer is. I'm going to admit that I don't know. Yeah. And that makes me look a hundred times, million times better than someone that's just like, oh, yeah, you know, the answer is this. You need to do X, Y, Z. And they're pulling it out of their ass. And yeah. then some shit happens because of that answer they gave. Like.
1: Yeah. Or even if you're like, who I have, I think it's this. But saying it's like, I, I think this and such, but I'm not sure.
0: Right. And that's a yeah. very simple way to look at vulnerability. And I say simple in in that it's a small example, but that's not easy for a lot no. of people.
1: Well, and like, let's be real, the people at work, you spend more time with people you work than you do anyone else. Anyone. I mean, you're, you're with them eight hours a day, five days a week, at least.
0: You're with them eight hours and a day if you're lucky. It, yeah. It's, a lot of the times it's 10 to 12.
1: Yeah, you might be sleeping next to your significant other longer than that, but like awake time there's not enough hours in the day to spend another eight to ten hours no with anyone
0: else well and this is also this is really going off on a tangent but this is also another reason to have a job that you're passionate about and i understand yeah. there are times in life when that's not an option
1: yeah when you when have you have just be like, have to make well, money fuck it i hate you this makes me do miserable it. but it but pays you my do bills it.
0: yes but the ideal is in there Yes, the ideal is to have a job that you enjoy Mm -hmm. doing because you are going to do that more than anything else in your life. And if that scares you, I mean, it should, but if it scares you because you realize... Let your passion
1: scare you. (laughs) No. like, I'm I'm an acting coach.
0: But I'm just saying, if that scares you, it should. Yeah. And if you're in a position where you're like, oh shit, I hate what I'm doing, do what you can to change it. Absolutely. Because it is what you are doing with more of your time than anything else.
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to – that was a very long arcing tangent that went from prison work to –
0: Being passionate about what you do.
1: Privilege to workplace to HR stuff. I mean, Grant, I could have a whole podcast dedicated to – all stuff of that like i that, know but i know
0: um, um so tell me what was the what was the result like what what's your yes. wrap up so
1: she is in you know she was sentenced to 20 years in prison mm-hmm. she is making textbooks for blind people and her two sons are in the custody of family friends and yeah. they visit about once a month
0: how old are they now
1: uh they were born in 98 oh, so okay. like right now right now they're 21 and she was denied parole on her first attempt on April 11th of 2013 by the Texas Board of Pardons and Parole. Yeah. And her second parole request was also denied in September of 2016. But in November of 2017, Clara's application for parole was granted and her release date was set for May 11th, 2018. Was she released? Yes. She was released on May 11th. Oh. Um, And some of the conditions for her parole include that she has to get gainful employment. Yeah. She is subject to electronic monitoring, so an ankle bracelet.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, She has to reside in the legal county of residence, Galveston County. Mm Mm-hmm. She has to demonstrate a sixth grade educational skill level, which is interesting. I guess they take a test. I don't know. I mean, she was a dentist. I think she's got that covered. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Alcohol and controlled substance testing, and she can have no contact with the victim's family. Yeah. Which is interesting. I wonder.
0: What about her kids?
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how far that reaches. I assume her boys, obviously, she can have contact with.
0: Well, because she already did throughout her time. Yeah. So why would they? Her children.
1: But like, I mean, I doubt Lindsay would want to, but... No, I doubt it. I don't know if Lindsay would count since she was her stepdaughter. And then all of David's family and stuff, she can't contact them at all. So she will remain on parole through 2023, which is only
0: four years away. It's only four away. So. Wow. Yeah. I just still can't believe she ran over him three times.
1: I know. In her Mercedes. And it, it didn't... But when I was reading this, literally all I could think about with this was like, oh my God, Mr. Mercedes. Literally the title that I put <laughs> there, the little header I put over that section was Mr. Mercedes.
0: You should have put Mrs. Mercedes.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. That was a missed Damn opportunity.
1: It. Well, sorry guys. Brittany's kicking me out of the podcast. I'm out.
0: <laughs> um, wow. So. New host. So, um, postmortem?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. Jumping into post postmortem. What are your thoughts? So,
1: I think, well, my case was insane. Just fucking out there. Because running over him three times... Just very... Ugh, yours, I think, definitely wins because just because stacy's
0: still missing
1: stacy's still missing just the fact that again he is this cheater pedophile
0: bastard murderer
1: monster yeah he's just a straight up fucking monster he's a
0: fucking monster Who is was a fucking police officer yeah that is one of the parts that i didn't really harp on it because i mean i said it i said it but yeah
1: i said the- what i said
0: This is someone that we're supposed to trust, and he's a fucking maniac. Mm -hmm. He's a monster. Killing wives? Just no. Yeah. No. So um, I will say I I agree. Yeah. So I will pick the wine for the next episode, and I actually already know what I'm going to pick. So this is exciting.
1: I will pick the topic, and I have no idea what I'm going to pick. So.
0: Well, there you
1: go. I'll pick something in Denver.
0: Well, um, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to let us know what you're thinking. Yes. We, um, we really appreciate reviews. We love um, when y'all
1: write a review. Yeah. And let us know, I don't know, some of, your, some of your favorite parts of it. That's how we've heard, I don't know, some of y'all saying like your different favorite phrases and stuff that we don't realize that we always say. Yeah, well, um, and also... And things that we used to say a lot, like, Fucking Mary's back. We fucking don't say Mary's that back. Anymore.
0: Well, you guys, we absolutely love it. We've received some emails from y'all just saying, you know... Because it's funny, because y'all pick out things that we don't realize we no. do in multiple episodes. Uh, like, I guess I always say wine is really pretty, and it is. The color's really oh, pretty. pretty. I like the different shades of the reds, but I guess well, it's a like... phrase I use, and I love it. And I then love apparently that someone told me that.
1: The different ways I say Jesus... Anyway, you know, just all the-
0: keep the emails coming. We absolutely love them.
1: Yes. Um, and make sure to like and follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Also, check out our merch store and our yeah. website, bloodandwinepodcast.com. And you can find the store at bloodwinepodcastcom forward slash store. Yep. Our Again, like we mentioned earlier, our new design is up there and it is Gorgeous! It's and
0: the freaking best, guys. I'm gonna get a tattoo of this. Yeah, like, we've
1: we've been talking about this, and I'm like, mm, it's going yeah, to happen.
0: I, I think
1: that's my next tattoo. As so
0: well. uh, when we do that, we'll show pictures. Because- oh yeah. Obviously.
1: Uh, I I don't suggest getting a tattoo. I mean, if y'all really, if you want to get but one, if do you it. Oh um, my
0: god! I this don't. is the design. If
1: you get a tattoo of a, we'll buy you anything you want on the merch store and send it to you. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So thank you guys so much. Yes, um, thank you. This is Blood Wine signing off. All
1: right, bye you guys. Bye.
0: Bye.